0: I'm happy to be here with you guys. I'm happy to have the opportunity uh, to open up God's Word and share with you. Um, I'm kind of picking up in a similar place from where I left off last time um, I was preaching. Um, We were in Philippians chapter 3 and we talked a lot about pressing on in our faith, about pressing through trials, pressing on through pain, through discomfort, and that we're running a race and we are to press on, not to fall back and to be beaten down. Um, and feel so worn out that we can no longer run the race and that we can no longer finish. Talked a lot about pressing on through those trials. And this morning, we'll be following a familiar concept of running this race. In the Christian life, we are running a race. And the competition is not me running a race against Ken running a race, against Pastor Ben running a race, against Mark running a race, seeing who can get done first. The race is running from our starting point and our birth all the way up to the point where we ultimately end up, as we talked about already this morning, with the Father in heaven in glory, running to the finish line. And our text this morning is Hebrews chapter 12. We're, ba- we're mainly staying in verses 1 and 2. Again, a shorter section of verses, but that doesn't mean I'm going to say any less. Um, in case you're concerned about that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, again, going with this idea of running a race. We look at the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul ran a race, didn't he? Um, A lot of us might get to the end of our lives, and we get to a point where our death could be extremely sudden. And we have no opportunity to give a last testimony, to give last words, to make, make an action that we want to do before we part. It's a reality that we all understand, something we all know, that our life could end at any moment. Even in this very room, my life could end at any moment. Something I'm very much aware of, something we all know. It's a truth that we all are aware of again, but we don't always like it. The Apostle Paul, however, realized that his life was coming to an end. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, he's coming to a close, and he says his famous and familiar words, For I am now ready to be offered... And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished the course, and I have kept the faith. He had the opportunity to leave a lasting legacy, a lasting bit of testimony prior to his death, to encourage Timothy yet again. We saw it earlier in First Timothy chapter six, verse eleven through twelve. Where he says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. We see Paul encouraging Timothy over and over again to fight this good fight. Timothy was stepping out. He was starting to be a leader in a church. He was a young man who was branching out into a world that was in full opposition to what he was called to do. Timothy was called to fight a fight. Paul never tells him it was going to be easy. Paul had lived a life that, if you're familiar with it, we understand and we know was not an easy life. That's why Paul at the end, again, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. He was exhausted. He was beaten down. He was hurt, but yet he continued to fight. He didn't give in to it. And we also see, again, him encouraging Timothy as a mentor does, encouraging a pupil. But we know that Paul knew nothing of coasting in his Christian faith. Nothing of walking idly by, well, there's a chance to minister. Maybe I will, but I did yesterday, so I'm good for the week. No sense of coasting in the life of Paul. He doesn't recognize a Christian faith that isn't fighting or running. Anytime he talks of it, it's this idea of struggle, of suffering, of pain. He says the word endure numerous times in his letters. Philippians chapter three again, pressing on. This word of agonizo with pressing on. It's agonizing. It's painful. This is something we're familiar with and Paul does not pull punches. He knows nothing of coasting, nothing of a lackadaisical Christian faith, but instead he encourages Timothy to flee from evil things. Flee is a very strong word. To flee from it is to fully run away and want nothing to do with it. It's not just walk away or casually leave sin. Try to cut out as little sin as you can without it hurting too much. Have you ever heard that from Paul? No, it's flee from sin. We see that we're supposed to mortify or kill the deeds of the body. To mortify sin. You flee from it. You run from it. If there is a whole group of bees, I will be fleeing from all of those bees. I will not walk away to find shelter. I will run probably faster than I ever have before. Because I want no part of a hive of bees swarming me and stinging me. I want no part of it. But do we view sin in the same way? Do we flee from it? Or do we walk by and we see that sin is over here and we say, wow, that's a lot of sin. Let me see what it is first. Let me see what's in this little sin basket. I want to look at it. Well, that one's not good. Okay, I'm going to stay away a little bit. And we just, we keep it close. We don't flee from it. We don't run away. We're always asking. And part of this is familiar with teens. Teenagers, and I did this all the time too, we always want to know how far until we get to that line. Where's the line? How how far can I go until I have to stop with anything? How how much can I lie before I become a liar? How much can I do this before I actually cross the line? The focus in our lives always seems to be, how far can I go, how close can I get to sin to it until I have to stop? My dad tells me, you've got to shovel the whole driveway. Well, how much of it? Because if I do most of it, just that little area where the car comes, that should be good enough, right? Always trying to find a way to short it. Always trying to find a way to get out. But instead of always trying to figure out where the fence is or where the line is, why don't we just say, hey, I know it's over there. I want no part of it. I'm going to go over here because I might cross the line on accident. I might do something I know I shouldn't do. We're so entranced with this sin. And Paul is encouraging Timothy here, and he's, he's mentoring him, and he's telling him, flee from this. And instead, what does he tell him? To pursue and to follow after righteousness and godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. All of those qualities, they can't dwell where sin dwells. Godliness can have no part in sin. Faith and love and patience, no part in sin. You can't have one and the other. They're fully separate. That's why when we look at God we say, what is his primary attribute? It's his holiness because he has no part in these other things. He can have no part in sin, no part in destruction, no part in all of these things that we're told to flee from. In the book of Hebrews, we see see it being written um, to these people who are growing tired in their faith. They were growing tired. They had been doing really well for a long time. They were doing a good job. They were, they were kind of tempted to fall back into some of the, the Jewish rituals and falling back into these different things. And the author is writing to these people who are growing tired in their faith and were beginning to grow weary. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. He writes But call to remembrance the former days. In which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. So it starts off right there in that verse of saying, Hey, don't you remember those old days? Don't you remember how it used to be when you were illuminated, once you you finally understood, once you came to faith, that you endured a great fight of afflictions? Do you remember that? Do you remember that fire that you had? Do you remember those things that you were doing? Do you remember what you endured at the very beginning? Do you remember that? And verse 33, partly whilst thou were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. We're seeing this idea of don't you remember what that was? Well, but now you're, you're coming under all these afflictions, you're coming under all of these things and you're starting to get away from it. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. says, For when the time... for For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. The author's writing to them and saying, do you remember what it was at the beginning? And in chapter 5, you were at the point where where you were supposed to be a teacher now. But, But instead of you being a teacher, you were the one who needs to be taught the basics, the essentials again. You need to be reminded and taught the first principles of the faith. You were supposed to be needing meat, but now you need to go back and, and you need milk. So while you were to be spiritually mature, you were supposed to be continuing and growing in your faith. Well, now you're all the way back at spiritual infancy. You're, you're a baby again. We've got to start over. That idea of starting back over as an infant um, does not intrigue me. I'm not totally sold on adulthood. There's some good, some, some downsides to it. Responsibility, right? You know, my life was great at 16. Okay, But, thinking about it, this idea of this, of this faith, and it's, look, do you remember how you felt? Do you remember the fire? Do you remember what you endured when you first came to faith? You've been sitting by, you've been coasting for so long that you should be at a point where you are now a teacher. And now you're the one that needs the milk again. You need a bottle. What an incredible um, rebuke that would be to receive that. Saying, I've been in church for so many years. I've been doing all of these things. I should be at this point. But then to be told, no, you've been around a while, but you haven't grown. You haven't grown in your faith. You don't know God any more today than you did 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 50 years ago, you were in the same place. And now, in fact, when you should have been giving something to someone else, you need to be having this milk. An incredible rebuke for these people, these people who are coasting and just passing by. Spiritually mature individuals back into spiritual infants. And this idea of running a race, um, we, we, we can't run a race if we're just standing still. And it's so easy to stand still. It's so easy to say, I've done enough for this week or I've done enough for this time or I've done so much in the past. Can't I rest? But you're running a race. There's no time for rest in a race. We have to be diligent. We have to run with zeal. We have to be passionate in our pursuit to flee from certain things, to flee from ungodliness and unrighteousness and not only just run away from it, but then to pursue God Pursue Him and His holiness and meekness and patience and faith and love. My question this morning is, are you actively running a race? Are you actively pursuing God? Are you actively pursuing Him with all of your passion, all of your zeal? Or have we begun to coast? Are you coasting this morning? Because if you're coasting this morning, um, it's my hope that at the end of these next few verses, we're going to realize that, man, I can't coast. I've got to get serious about running this race. I'm going to get past. I'm going to end up back at the starting line, and I've I've been running for 30 years, but I may not have even gotten off the line. It's my prayer that that would never happen. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. Before we get going into those, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you um, for this opportunity that we have to be together to open up your word, um, to look to you. Father, we thank you for um, just the opportunity to look into your word and see a man like Paul, who's a mentor to Timothy, encouraging him to fight the fight. Father, I just pray that each and every one of us would be um, looking to flee from from ungodliness, that we would radically pursue you, that we would look to, to understand you and your holiness, that we would grow in our love and our affections for you. Father, I just pray this morning that you would um, put it on our hearts, that we would be encouraged that we are able to fight the good fight, that we're able to run the race um, as we continue to look at you and your Son. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It says, lay aside every weight. The familiar um, illustration with this passage, anytime you hear it, it's going to be can you just imagine running up hill with a bag strapped to your back with pounds and pounds? You know, training in military. Okay, here you go. Here's a bag, it's gonna be about 75, 80 pounds. You're you're holding it, you're like, oh, I can do this. Okay, well now run up the mountain. A little tougher. Okay, I've even um, walking around the grocery store, okay? Something much simpler since I'm not a military guy, obviously, looking at me. Um, carrying Benjamin around the grocery store, that's hard enough. Got a little little one of those little bags cuz I look awesome with one of those little baskets. Okay? Really manly of me to walk around with a basket, <laughs> holding Benjamin in one arm, trying to carry the food in the other. Well, then I got to get some milk. So a um, lot of weight going on, things moving around, and it's hard. Kids maybe 25 pounds. But it's hard. It's a weight. I love my son, but at that time, he is a weight. And I'm not able to move about the store nearly as quickly as I would without him. We're encouraged, lay aside every weight. It's saying, get serious about running. You're running a race. You cannot be tied down. You cannot be held down by these weights. And some of us are carrying enormous weights this morning. Something is weighing you down this morning that is causing you to run the race more slowly. Whether that is a weight that someone has placed on you that you would rather not carry and you don't have the option, you might be carrying a burden for somebody else. Or maybe it's one you continue to put on your back. Every morning you wake up, you see your weight sitting in a backpack, and you put it on before you start the day. Because that's how sin works, isn't it? We want to do it. We want to feed that that desire we want to feed the things of the flesh so we wake up and we put on our weights and we decide all right I'm going to try to run the race today but how foolish would it be to continue to run these races with weights it's an incredible thing that we do that we we like to, we harm ourselves and the, and my question this morning is are you serious about running this race are you are you serious about pursuing him do you actually pursue God in the way that we should? Are you running? Are you running seriously? Uh, chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. It says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. If we're serious about running this race, if we're actually pursuing Him and pursuing holiness, get up and get serious. Lift up your hands, strengthen your knees, and get going. Get going. Don't be held down by these weights. And again, verse 1, we're saying they're supposed to set aside these weights. Think of what is weighing you down. What is it that is the weight that continues to hold you down? It might be the same thing that held you down when you were 10 years old, or 17 years old, or 30 years old, or 50 years old, or 200 years old. So Every group's included. What is that weight that is holding you down? Because if you continue to carry that weight, you cannot finish the race. The author doesn't say, do your best attempt to have less weight on your back. Just says, lay it aside. That means take it off. Get rid of it. Don't carry it. That's not the point. The point is not for us to be so burdened down that we can't finish the race. Again, it's a fight. It's a fight to run this race. But to get serious, we have to set aside all of our weights. Mortifying sins of the body, fleeing fornication, cutting out covetousness, fleeing self-righteousness. Those are just a few of the examples of weights that commonly hold people down. And when we're looking in the, in the biblical context, how, much, how often do we see self-righteousness? We just uh, heard uh, Pastor Ben last week tell a story about, with the Pharisee and the woman. The Pharisee's looking down on the woman for what it is that she's doing. And Jesus says, hey, basically, she, she, you, you know, your house was opened up. You didn't do anything for me. You didn't clean my feet. You didn't give me water, food, or drink. You've done nothing for me. And look at what this woman's done. I've been able to have a drink. She cleaned my feet, washed my feet with her tears. Look at the service that she displayed. And he rebukes the Pharisee for this self-righteousness. So we're encouraged to lay aside these weights, that if we're going to be running a race that's set before us, and that we're going to be patient in this race, we have to set aside our weights. But, but not only does verse 1 just say, hey, get rid of these weights, but then we see in verse 2 something that's so encouraging and something that should encourage each and every one of us that we're able to do this. Verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What an incredible encouragement verse 2 is because we can read verse 1 and say all right I need to do this I need to set aside these weights where do I go from there well verse 2 tells you where to go from there you set aside the weights you set your eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith incredible encouragement it's an incredible encouragement that we look unto him as we're running a race where are your eyes where are your eyes set upon Where do you look when you're running your race, your your Christian faith race, every single day? When you wake up and you're looking to endure, where are you looking? So much of my life, I spent time looking simply at the weights that I carried. I was not running a race, I was walking around in circles, hoping the bag would just fall off. It never did. It doesn't do that when that's the goal. When the goal is, ah, hopefully this just falls off at some point. I'm going to wander around until it does. Nothing happens until you get to verse 2 where you look to Jesus. The only way that weight is ever going to be lifted, the only way it's ever going to come off and be set aside is through Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, some some pastors might tell you there's other ways that you can do this. That, you know, um, if you're struggling with pornography, well, here you go, just set these things up on your computer and you're going to be okay. That's going to fix the problem. That doesn't fix the problem. Yeah, it might be good, it might help you, it might limit some things, but that's not the problem. The problem isn't your computer. You're the problem. So when we look at it and Jesus is talking about it and and we're seeing him as the example and when he talks about it, Jesus is always about the heart. It's not behavior modification. Later on in this chapter, um, which is something I'm not going to get to this morning, but talks a lot about discipline. It's not just behavior modification. Discipline a child so that he acts right. No, you discipline the child so that his heart is good, so that the heart is right, that it wants to serve. When God disciplines us, it's not we're not being disciplined just so that I will will speak better or I can just say nicer, fluffier things. It's not my heart changes. Look at Job. When Job endured all of those trials, he was not being disciplined so that he would just act better. Because when you look at it, Job was a good guy, right? Blameless. Job was great. He wasn't being. Um, in trouble. He wasn't simply a victim, but he was being disciplined. He was showing God's glory throughout the discipline and throughout his response. So in verse 2, when we see, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, we also see that there's joy that we can look ahead to. We sing about it this morning, the joy of being in glory in heaven with the Father forever. Forever. Going to see him face to face, that's incredible. As cool as it was as a Broncos fan, for some of you, I'm not, but glad for you, okay? To see them hoist the Super Bowl trophy. I feel like I should just leave right now, actually. But seeing them hoisting a Super Bowl trophy, how awesome that was. You're, you see that and say, wow, what an incredible sight, and how great that would have been for those players to say, I've worked so hard to achieve this. I've worked so hard to get to this point where I received the trophy for finishing this race in the NFL. How much greater is the joy that we have to look forward to where Jesus is what we receive? Do we run as if we're pursuing Him? Because if we do, we're serious about it. We're not just walking towards it. It's a full sprint all the way to the end because we know what is awaiting us at the finish line the same one who not only is the author and finisher of our faith, but who for the joy was set before him, he endured the cross. Let that never escape your mind, that he endured the cross. Willingly, by the way. Because a lot of us endure things that we didn't choose. We endure things either by ourselves or on behalf of somebody else, but we did not choose to endure it. Jesus willingly gave himself up to the cross to become a curse. Do we remember that as we run our race? Do we remember that he endured the cross, despising the shame? He despised the cross. He despised it, but he knew why he was doing it. And now, notice the close of verse 2 and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's where we are headed. We are heading to the point where we get to see Him seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We get to actively and very much really see Christ. That should stir up some sort of happiness and joy in your life and in your heart. Because if it doesn't, then I'm going to just take a leap of faith here and guess that we're not pursuing, we're not running the race the way that we should be. If you are not running a race with joy, we are not running the race properly. It has to be joyful because we know where we're headed. We know where we're going. When we're looking to Jesus, we're sacrificing ourself. We're looking at Romans 12, making your body, presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Fully submitting yourself to service for Him. Putting on the armor of God. Taking your thoughts captive to obey Christ and pursuing holiness are these things that you have done? Are these things that you are continuing to do? Because in Hebrews, we see the author saying, Hey, you were doing a lot of these things. You were pursuing holiness. Do you remember what it was like? You were on track to become a teacher, which we know is a very serious biblical role. Very serious role. You were on track to become a teacher, but what happened? You stopped. You stopped running. You said, wow, I'm going really fast. I can probably take a break. They were on track to do these things, to do great things. They were serving. But then they took a step back. They began to coast. But verses 1 and 2 offer up the encouragement that we can run the race with zeal. Looking back at the witnesses, we see um, in chapter 11 it runs through Um, In that faith chapter, we see the faith of the patriarchs. Verse 8, By faith, Abraham... We know Abraham made mistakes. He wasn't perfect. Okay, But, why was he counted righteous? By his faith. Some will argue, well, he was Old Testament. Wasn't that works? No, it's always been faith. And Hebrews 11 points that out. Always been faith from the beginning. By faith, Abraham in verse 8 see it again in verse 17 verse 20 by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come 21 by faith Jacob when he was a die, when he was dying blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning upon the top of his staff verse 22 by faith Joseph when he died made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Verse 23, by faith Moses when he was born. Verse 24, by faith Moses when he was come to years. We continue to see all throughout chapter 11, by faith fill in the blank. And each and every one of these people made mistakes. Each and every one of these people had to endure. They had to press on. They had to run A race they had to fight we look at uh, David David was in some fights some big fights we can look at David and say man well David um, David committed adultery David had a man killed but yet he finished the race maybe I can do it too Mary she was the prostitute she finished the race I can do it too Jonathan Edwards he got kicked out of his own church he was still able to finish. We see Job, same thing. Stephen, they, they stoned him. He endured trials. He fought a fight. Okay, If you, if you get stoned, I'm going to count a tally as you were in a fight. It's a battle. It's hard. They had to endure. So many people that have come before us have been able to run this race to finish a fight. Why would we think that we can't do it? There's incredible encouragement surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. These people who have made mistakes, who have done these things, have still been able to finish. They pressed on. They ran the race. We can run a race too. But again, are you passionately pursuing Him? Are we looking to run the race the way that we should? And again, we can be encouraged because people have come before us and they've done it. We can also be encouraged because we can look to Jesus along the way. Verse 2, looking up to Jesus. As we're running the race, we're looking up to Him, the perfecter of our faith, the perfect example of faith. The perfect example of how we're to run. In chapter 13, verse 21. let start in verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will. It's going to come to completion. We continue to run in a race. Our faith will be will come into completion. Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. mean it starts with him, it continues with him, it's sustained with him and it finishes with him. Every part of it, and we can be encouraged that whatever it is that we're going through, whatever the fight is, whatever the trial is, whatever obstacles come up in our race, that as long as we have our eyes set upon Christ looking to Him, we're going to be able to finish, that we can actually finish this race. And we're able to look forward to the joy because Christ endured the cross which he despised for the joy that was set before him. And in closing, just slide down to verse 3 and 4 um, in chapter 12. Um, as, as, as you read through this chapter, it's something that it, it has to stick out and it's one that was just kind of a, a punch in the stomach for me. Um, you start to think about the trials that, that you've had to fight through things that continually come up, the things you're always trying to press on through and say, God, this isn't fair. Why am I being a victim in this situation? Why is it always me that has to go through this? Why am I always under all of this pressure, all of this stress, all of this hardship? And it's bad enough when you look at the life of Paul and say, wow, okay, maybe he had it worse than me. Maybe I shouldn't complain. Well, let's go ahead and read verses three and four. Again, talking about Christ. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. So quite simply, saying, bringing up this point, and it's making a contrast, and again, as you read through it, um, it's easy to... uh, to think about yourself as you're continuing to go through this and saying, man, I have these weights, I know what the weights are, I need to get rid of them. Alright, I'm good there. You continue to see about running a race in the trials, and you look, at, you look at all these different situations, and you're able to say, man, life isn't fair to me right now. I continue to be beaten down. Why is this so hard? Why is this so unfair? Why is it just me? Why does God hate me so much? And verse 4 says, you haven't resisted even to the point of death. Basically saying, as bad as it might be for you, you still have your life. You haven't endured the cross, but Jesus did. The perfect, sinless Son of God endured the cross. And when I read that, that just is a punch in the stomach for me. Because I'll even now drift back in the time of going, man, God, why do I have to endure this? This isn't fair haven't I done enough that I shouldn't have to endure this? But I'm not enduring the cross. I'm not enduring death. I still get to live. I'm still up here able to encourage each and every one of us and say, look, as hard as it might be, it's still not the cross. There's a reason that Christ took that punishment. And we look at it and it's so hard to get caught up in what's going on in our life but then we look at that and we and we see that Jesus Christ all the way up to the cross he endured the cross despising the shame of it the perfect and sinless son of god did that so why am i complaining about what i have to endure i get to keep my life i get to go home and be with my family still i haven't died for anything yet and I'm the one that deserves to die, not Jesus. So, when I was reading through this text, and you get to that point, you just sit there and, and you read that and just started crying because it's so, just so wonderful that that, that happened. What a truth. That perfect, sinless Son of God will come and die for the sins that I continue to show him that his death was necessary. That before, while I may have sacrificed a lamb or a sheep or whatever it was, that that would have been all that would have been. But until to get to the point where God would say, that's not enough. I need to send my son to do this. These people keep trying to figure it out through their works, but they don't understand it's by faith. I'm sending my son. I'm not giving up my son for anybody probably in this room, and he yells at me half the day. Right, we all know how that goes. The perfect Son of God coming and dying on a cross for us. That's a truth that I can run for. I can run a race and I can finish it out to completion because I have the joy of knowing that I'm going to be with Him at the end. And any trial I may endure, any, any obstacle that may come up is not nearly as great as the one that He willingly endured For me. And for each and every one of us that that have come to to believe in him in faith. Just an incredible truth. Uh, In chapter 10, verse 34, the author writes, For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Saying you had compassion on me. You willingly accepted people stealing your property and your goods and plundering from you. You willingly endured this because you knew what was waiting for you in heaven. You knew it. You believed in it. You had faith. You knew what was to come. So we can be encouraged that we're able to run this race, that whatever trial comes up, we can approach it and say, it's simply a trial, it's simply something I have to endure but I know where I'm headed. I'm going to look to Jesus as verse 2 encourages us to. I'm going to look into him and I'm going to finish this race. Enduring and running the race with zeal. Casting off weights, looking to Jesus and looking forward to that joy that lies ahead. It's an incredible encouragement. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that, that you gave us your Son. We thank you that you sent your Son to die on the cross for us to endure the afflictions and the curse of the cross for the sins that we've committed. God, it's just an incredible picture of your love and your grace that you would send your perfect and sinless Son for us. God, we know as we read through your Word that, that what it is that we deserve is, is death. but What you've given us is an opportunity at life to be able to look forward to rejoicing and praising you. That as we come to believe in you and your Son, that we're able to, to look forward to those days where we're able to just sing praises to you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God, I pray that as, as each and every one of us um, continue to run this race that you set before us, that we don't coast. That we don't sit by and just assume that that we're going to be okay. That we're just going to continue to grow. Um, God, we have to be active. We have to be passionate. We have to pursue you we have to flee from the evil things and we have to pursue you in your holiness god for me as i've grown up in church all my life it's easy to coast and say well i've been around it for so many years but father i pray that if any of us have that line of thinking that we would cast that out that we would flee from that and we would pursue you that we would seek to be sanctified in you and your truth today god i just pray that you would continue to to encourage us through your word that you would allow each and every one of us to encourage one another to endure and to finish the race that is set before us. And Father, as always, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the cross. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. As Mrs. Pace